Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Of God. So I want to challenge you again with this roots. What are you putting down roots? Apostle Paul said that he wants us to put down roots. He says, I pray that you will grow and root down in the love of God. He says, I pray that you will grow mature and complete, not lacking any good thing. We are putting down roots spiritually. I pray for myself, for my own heritage, my own family, my own communities and friends, my own influence. I pray for you that we put down roots into this aquifer, if you will, this bedrock, this ground, this soil that is nutritious in this flow that comes from the throne of God, if you will, that will be kingdom come, that will be visible and present here as God makes all things new. That seems far off now, but every day that passes is a day closer to that. So I challenge you, what are you doing in your daily life to put down roots? It seems challenging to do that right now. And yet, even pre-pandemia, If you've lived around the world or you like to travel or you are in the military or you grew up raised in the military or as a missionary kid, if you were raised in poverty or had a single parent, if you were raised in wealth and had both parents there but not a lot of love at home, we could keep going down the list. If you're highly educated or if you're working a trade or Fill in the blank. If you have five kids, 10 kids, if they're from you or from someone else, if you have one, if you're taking care of your elders, if you're single, sometimes it's easy to think we don't owe anybody anything and we're not going to put down roots and we just want what we want from our city, from our church, from our family, from our job and go home. Sometimes we're too tired and overwhelmed to really think about these things. But what are we doing to put down roots? And I want to encourage you that it is a lot more organic and a lot more communal than you might have expected. If, for instance, you feel love when you spend time with people or when you can influence them or encourage them, if you, and encouragement is a form of influence, if you want to be hospitable and that's your gift, because when we accept Christ as our Savior and We want to grow and learn how to be in his family. He gives at least one spiritual gift. And this is a topic of my e-courses and coaching that I work with people on. And from that gift, we can live an integrated life aligned with this forward movement toward God's coming kingdom, but in a way that is repeatable, transferable in our lives, in a way that's accessible, that we, for instance, One of my gifts is encouragement. Another is discernment. Another is being an artisan. So with words and pictures, for instance, making things beautiful, telling stories, sharing stories, learning stories, researching stories. (laughs) So in every circle I've been in, there's been an element of that. One thing I miss 
is the spiritual discipline of prayer and being with other people who just want to pray and just want to encourage people in the Lord and have that on their mind. And it seems hard to find, but that is one way you influence others. And sometimes it can take courage to stand out and be that person in your family or that person at your work as it's appropriate and be that person in your city where your neighbors or in my case, some civic leaders, community leaders, they know that I'm a Christian. And so how am I living? How am I putting down roots? Am I behaving as though I'm separate from them and segregated? Am I acting as though I'm better than them because I have special knowledge? This is a huge problem, a huge difficulty right now, a huge challenge that has been sped up by social media platforms and algorithms designed for confirmation bias to make, and in fact, it's not really been stated by the CEOs and the leaders of this com- these companies, but they're not an experiment. They're not a social experiment. And this gets our conversation off the rails for a moment. It's a political one and how people are not even boundaried in that experiment, not even disclosed the purpose of that information or influence. There's always, and often I should say, an element of deceit in a lot of forms of research where it's meant to gain knowledge or falsify the researcher's biases, and there's a whole conversation around that and how we do and go about research and what our relationship to knowledge is and how that's helpful and how it isn't. But safe to say, And suffice it to say that this false belief, this cultural norm that we somehow live in these concrete columns and rows, that we are different and distinct and separated and cut off from each other, sort of amplifies this spiritual angst, this sense, this malow that we are disconnected, that we are enemies of one another, and heck, let's also fear contagion, illness from each other, so let's start power holding and hoarding resources. Let's start being militant about our beliefs. And then you have whole groups organized around that platform. And it's a violent threat. It's what we read about, for instance, in Proverbs. It's what Jesus and the Apostle Paul dealt with. Because you see the political higher up that was at that time, Caesar, he did not like, the emperor did not like anyone claiming at all to be God or to know God overall, the supreme God, because he wanted to be that. So you have the satanic heresy, the satanic blasphemy of putting God's name on something that is not approved by God. And you see by the carnage of the reigns of Nero and Caesar and Herod and the horrible, brutal, violent, vicious acts that they did and the fearsome warning of Jesus that in the last days, which we are all in, whether or not it's the end times that we read about in Revelation, the last days being after Jesus ascended to heaven as we are waiting for him to come back, this larger span of time invites us to a generational thinking and a behavior of influence of casting our vision into the future and making it plain now. And one way I enjoy doing that is when we're asking about putting down roots, What are some of the things you enjoy doing as a hobby? What are some of the places you like to go? I mentioned tea and gardens for myself and native plants. There are different groups and societies for that. 
what what else do you like to do? My dad loved building cars for a while, and now he enjoys carpentry and, and build projects, and he does those as a ministry to help family, friends, and church, and neighbors, widows, and single women, and my mom helps him with those things. And so these are the ways that within reach, and his gifts would be evangelism, prayer, and of intercession, and craftsmanship, he and my mom do those together as a team. And so you could rotate in your family or in whoever, you know, your roommates or who you're living with. Like, have you ever sat around and just for an hour asked each other, hey, where are you at in the gospel right now? And what's your spiritual gift? And how can we root that here in our daily lives? Where we're at in our city, at our job, at our house, at our apartment. How can we live that out? Notice how that's different than some of the entitlements. And I want to say that in the... Giving and receiving of offense is really a gateway drug to narcissism that uh, you start to feel entitled. And when you start to feel entitled, you want to justify yourself. And this goes against the gospel. It's a anti-the-Christ behavior where we are now, again, with, for instance, confirmation bias. We're fighting our groups that we think are different. And then we're fighting within ourselves. And then we have cliques within ourselves. And, oh, my goodness gracious, what a waste of time and energy what a waste of good fruit that could be sown. So encouraging you to shift your mindset. One of the things I do with working with congregations, ministry leaders, and partnerships of faith is around this we story. What's this we story and how are we developing a culture of a we, of us together, of a unified body, a unified people for this gospel what are we doing, for instance, to be hospitable? To be hospitable, you need to be flexible. Same with curiosity. What are we doing to be curious? What are we wanting to learn from God in this time? What worked before isn't working now, and instead of that initial panic that we might feel, how about be open to learning? That requires a posture again of flexibility. We have to be willing to adjust, and flexibility can be what gives us resilience, what can help us to last and grow and be that sturdy tree, that legit tree in our city putting down roots until the Lord comes back. And as the Apostle Paul encouraged us in the book of Romans, for those who believe and follow Jesus, he grafts us into the tree of promise that were originally given to the Jewish people through Father Abraham and is promised as this larger vision that we know of, interestingly, Intriguingly, when Jesus overturned the tables in the temple, what did he say about that? My father's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And you've made it a den of robbers. <laughs> so I'm cleaning house, y'all. It's kind of the one time we see him in this uh, moment of indignant rage. And we know that he had every right and authority to do that. And what's interesting is he didn't come at all his conversations in that way. He often used parables. He often used stories. He had cultural sensitivity. And more to the point, he understood us that we are easily threatened, frightened, angered creatures. Since the fall, we are not that confident, slow and steady walk in the cool of the day with the Lord and the first couple and the animals we have named anymore, as I'm referring to Genesis 1 to 3 of the story of the fall in the Garden of Eden. 
We are not in that paradise anymore. Because we're not in our paradise, I'm going to validate, and there's a huge chapter in the blue book, in book three, about kingdom come, a gospel heritage for the future of continuing. There is definitely this sense that we are validating, God is validating the situation that we're in. (laughs) So if someone seems afraid or angry or upset to you, that's not the time to insist on your own way, to be entitled, to be offended back, to preach to them about your opinions and how they are now gold standard, to participate with the troll culture on the internet, T-R-O-L-L, the underbelly of the internet, the whole place where confirmation bias is just turned into a nasty storm, and it really does come from the superiority mindset, the arrogant that the book of Proverbs warns against, how that speech is so destructive and not life-giving. So putting down roots is a slower pace. It's a slower pace, not a wrathful one. There's a one day of wrath that God's in charge of, and the slower pace that we're choosing to lend ourselves to now. Putting down roots. I want to encourage you to think about that with your friends. Are you making time for them? With your kids, are you present? When they say, do you want to play with me and you feel tired or you want to go read a book or do something then you're, you know, one hour of the day to rest or however long it is. Some of it might be shorter, some of it might be longer. Do you want to avail yourself to take time and make a commitment? Say you're retired and you have the time in the day and you say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm retired. I'm more busy than I was when I'm working. Yeah, well, it's not an obligation busyness necessarily. It's one by choice, and you have that freedom if you're healthy and have resources to travel, to spend time with your friends, to improve your house if you're in a house. And not everyone has those resources, but my larger point is, what roots are you putting down for a gospel heritage? Are there children in your life, in your family, that you want to influence for Christ? They're the future. Do that. And you can't just do that by just preaching to them. Again, the principle of love, the neighborly factor, you've got to love them. Are there skills that you have or things you like to do? Do you know what they like to do? Do you know what their favorite color is or their favorite flavor of ice cream? Go get that with them one day. Can you commit? Do they know that you're reliable? Can you say, I'm going to come every Saturday for two hours and play at the park with you, or I'm gonna take you out to ice cream. There's gonna be one week in a month, you get to come stay at Grandma and Gramps' house. Are you making the time? You gotta do it. Don't take for granted the time. We only have so much of it, none of us know how long. Teach me to number our days, Lord, King David prayed. And as we're grafted into this kingdom tree, we can trust that the legacy we leave, as it says in Daniel and other places that the deeds of the righteous will follow them. They will shine as stars in the heavens, the righteous will, and the wise. And so there is an influence that stays. We know that it says ashes to ashes, dust to dust in Genesis. And ashes and dust you were made from, and to that you will return. (laughs) We also know the cosmic dust, we have stars. And that God can take even the death of things and turn it into something beautiful, 
when we're connected to his source of life. And I just want to encourage you to please put down roots. Make time for your friends. Make time for your neighbors. And say, I don't have time. Well, this is about time management. I work with my clients on coaching around time management. Once we discern their where they're at with the gospel, where they're at with their spiritual gifts, where they're at with their relationships, their visions and goals for the future, their vocational pursuits, their need for self-care, you name it, we go down and we say, okay, what are we putting on the calendar for the month? When on the month will you do that? When this week will you do that? When tomorrow will you do that? How much time do you want to give? 10 minutes, an hour, more? And then you start to take the time to build out your calendar And honestly, this took me a minute, more than a minute, because I really wanted to, uh, for some reason, be averse to managing my time. But I want to encourage you to put down roots, that once you do it and you develop a rhythm in life, there's more peace and goodwill to be had. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that we have the joy and the privilege to put down roots, because you resurrected your son that a state crucified on a tree, that we have the hope of a living tree to survive and thrive as kingdom come. And we pray, oh, we pray that we can put down roots today and bless your gospel heritage in our lives and those we love and bring more people in our lives to influence more for your gospel and to love on more. And we pray that it will go well with our city. So it will go well with us too. Please lift this pandemic and the strife that has gone with it. And we pray for your peace and goodwill to return in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.